special edition of Locked On NBA crossover here. I am Evan Sidery of Locked On Suns, joined by Tony East of Locked On Pacers. We're helping preview Thursday's bubble matchup of two undefeated teams, both 3-0 so far in the bubble, the Phoenix Suns, Indiana Pacers. Tony, very improbable matchup here where it seems like tomorrow's matchup is arguably the most important one so far for both sides. Yeah, the Sixers game to kick off the bubble will, will live on as the most important Pacers game for their entirety of the seeding games. But, yeah, amazingly, this Suns game, I mean, the Lakers are probably going to stop trying like the Bucks already kind of have, right? And then it's just, you know, the Heat are important, but seeding will probably be locked in. So this Suns game, I mean, if the Pacers win, they, they get close to locking up their seed. So it, it's amazing that Pacers-Suns has become an important game, but here we are. Yeah, it really is incredible. I know the Suns sort of miracle run it has still a long ways to go. They have to go 8-0 to reach that playing game. So far, so good on that. And the Pacers themselves, Tony, doing very well so far, 3-0. and What's been your takeaway so far from seeing this team in the bubble so far where it's been the T.J. Warren show? I know Suns fans know all about him. He played five years the Phoenix Suns, was kind of marred by injuries and consistencies, didn't really fit his role with this team last year as Booker and Aiden kind of took on to their roles and Warren was kind of a high usage player here, but it's awesome to see Tony Bucket sort of find a long-term home in Indy and thriving there. Yeah. With Sabonis out and maybe out for the rest of the year, they've gone more perimeter heavy with their lineups, right? They start a third guard, they move Warren up to the four. Uh, and as a result of that, they've just been more perimeter oriented, moving the ball a little faster. Miles Turner likes to swing it and reverse it. You know, they're just keeping attacks on the perimeter TJ Warren's been a huge beneficiary of that because he has a ton more space, a few extra touches, and he's so good with the ball in his hands this year. And right now, especially, I mean, he's just hotter than, I mean, this is the best offensive run I've ever seen from a Pacers player. It's only been three games. So like, that's obviously, it's only been three games, but he's leading the league in scoring in the bubble. He's shooting ridiculous percentages from the field. I mean, no matter what, like traps were coming in the last two games, didn't matter. He's just getting to his spots and scoring. I've really never seen anything like it. And if it was just that, like, he was hitting threes now, right, he expanded his range during quarantine. He hit 9 of 12 threes against the Sixers, uh, 14 of 23 in the bubble so far. But if it was just the defense that was – or the offense that was insane, it'd be something. But his defense has been good too. He's, you know, guarding ball handlers well, good team defender. The Pacers really transformed him. I mean, he's been the, the MVP for the Pacers 3-0 and bubble start so far. It's, it's insane. Yeah, let me ask you a little more about T.J. Warren because the Suns saw that expanded range last year, obviously a shorter clip before he went down with his season and the ankle injury, I believe, in February, and he shut down for the rest of the year at that point. But we saw throughout last year Warren, whether it was playing small ball four or the three next to next to players like DeAndre, and I think it really was a preview of what's to come in Warren's career, of course, with Kelly Oubre and McHale Bridges on board there, drafting Cam Johnson too. Warren was going to be phased out of that team, and luckily for me, landed in a great spot in Indiana there. But I wanted to ask, because I know our Suns fans here listening to Locked on Suns know, I grew up in Indiana, I grew up a Pacers fan, so I've followed this team very close to myself over in the Eastern Conference. What's the differences you've seen this year between T.J. Warren and Bojan Bogdanovic? Because we know Bojan was so good for this team over the last couple of years, but T.J. maybe is even better than Bojan. I know Bojan's a better overall yes. shooter. But what's the difference you've seen between those two guys so far in their Pacers careers? Amazingly, I, I don't mean to sting Suns fans here. Like, his perception just isn't what happened with Warren on defense. You know, like, and it's not the Suns' fault, but he just got to Indiana and suddenly he can defend. And that's the biggest difference between Warren and Bojan is that Bogey, again, like you just said, a little bit better of a shooter, definitely more efficient. Uh, but Warren, A, like Suns fans know, great at getting his shot off the dribble, especially in the mid range. That's like his bread and butter. 
But B, now that he can defend, right? There was a stretch where Brogdon and Oladipo are both out. And even with they were healthy, they probably would have done this. But still, this is when it became a thing where on like four nights in a row, it was like Warren was on Damian Lillard and then D'Angelo Russell and then DeRozan and then Luka. And Victor was in the game uh, for the Luka game. They still put Warren on Doncic. And uh, Brogdon played against the Spurs. They still had Warren on DeRozan. It's like they just really trust him as a defender now. And Dan Burke, uh, Pacers assistant coach, has been known for getting guys to be better on defense. Every rookie I've talked to says that they learned so much from him. Warren is no different, right? So that's where the difference between Bojan and Warren has come in is Bogey got better on D when he got to Indiana, but not even close to the level that Warren is at right now. And Warren, while, like you said, again, less efficient but more varied score he can score from more places which makes him just a little bit harder to guard and warps defense is a different way so he has been better than Boyan, which is not something I expected when the Pacers traded for him but it, it, it's such a special story yeah moving on from Tony Buckets here who's going to play a huge role in tomorrow's game I think Mikhail versus TJ Warren's going to be so fun to watch defense versus offense perspective there Tony but I wanted to hit on really quickly the absence of DeMontis Sabonis he's out with plantar fasciitis what do we know about Domas? How long is he going to be out for if you know a timetable? And what kind of impact do you see on the court so far without him out there? Yeah, the foot was bugging him in Indy when the teams had to go back to their home market before uh, heading to the bubble. And he thought he, you know, he traveled, thought he could do stuff with it, but it got worse and he wasn't really able to do anything in practice. So he left the bubble to go to LA to get treatment. I think he, you know, he spends his off seasons there. I think he likes a doctor there. Uh, now he's doing foot workouts there. Uh, still a quote ways away per McMillan. So I doubt we see him for any of the seeding games, maybe for the playoffs, it's two weeks away, a little under two weeks away, but I don't know. It weighs away with how fast the bubble is, is discouraging in games uh, for the starting five that he was a part of. It really hasn't impacted anything because Warren's been so good that that group is just outscoring everybody. Uh, the small ball is working. And when you know, when you're hitting a ton of shots like this, you're just in set defense more. Their defense has been, bettered but you know who knows if you know Warren was missing and they had to play more transition how those numbers would look but you know objectively their defense looks a little bit better uh, just in general but the real big part where they are missing Sabonis and this was their best unit during the regular season is the second unit right he was really good at playing with Doug McDermott and Justin Holiday. he got them a ton of open threes his two-man game with McDermott was ridiculous those two guys have been struggling in the bubble uh, playing a little bit different roles, being asked not to play differently necessarily, but you know they they aren't they don't have their master screener and passer uh, in that unit with them, so they've been they've been struggling, and the second unit as a result has been much worse. Now's the Pacers' really best unit, not I mean not most talented, but their second unit just clobbered other teams' second units, and that's how the Pacers would get ahead and stay in games. So. You know, thankfully, their starters have been amazing in the three games so far. But really, without Sabonis, the you know the 15 to 20 minutes they played with McConnell, Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and McDermott have been much, much worse. And you know, if, if they can't figure it out, then then that group's going to suffer even as it's minutes to another playoffs. But that is definitely where they're missing Sabonis the most. Pivoting to Victor Oladipo for a second, Tony, for because of this segment, because obviously he had a big injury last year, still is kind of working his way back. What's been your impression of Victor Oladipo coming off his injury, how he's done the bubble so far? He's kind of taken a back to T.J. Warren, how hot he's been so far in Orlando. What do you think is next for Oladipo in the bubble? Yeah, uh, his usage is down like 4% from where it usually is just because, I mean, and no one can be blamed on the Pacers for this. I mean, they have so many possessions where it's like, all right, T.J., you know what, score. So the, Depot doesn't need the ball as much. And it's not like he would be the first option, even if Warren wasn't on fire. He probably would be. 1A, 1B with Warren or Brogdon, but 
Yeah, they haven't needed him to be super special. His his whole injury news was funky the way he decided early that he wasn't going to play, but then decided he is going to play. Uh, and he this is the healthiest he's been since January 2019. Uh, he played over 30 minutes in their first game against the Sixers, sat out the opening night of a back-to-back, and then played 30 minutes again against the Magic. Uh, and he had not played 30 minutes at all this season before the bubble. So he is at his healthiest, and he looks pretty good. You know, he's able to start a lot better and his stopping is still not great or not the level it used to be, but still pretty good. He looks like a better version of the guy they had in the 13 game. So he looks like a good player and he could have room to even get a little better, right? His shot hasn't really materialized, but his defense is not ever going to be the level it was before the injury. So you know, I think he'll, he'll peak out uh, in this bubble if, you know, if they need him to as like below all-star level, but still really solid starter level. You know, he's been really good. His, when he's played and he's fit in with the team well, they just haven't needed him to be the depot that everybody knows. But that's still a really useful player for this team. So I'm excited to see what the next step for him could be now that he's going to be playing in every game the rest of the way. The Pacers are 42 and 26 so far this year. Tony, they are right behind the heat for the four seed. They are two and a half games back at the Boston Celtics for the three seed. How does this team stack up looking ahead to the playoffs? Because, of course, Indiana pretty much is a lock to be in that top four, top five area. What's your expectation now, especially with T.J. Warren's hot streak going here, a reliable 20, 25-point-per-game score entering into a playoff environment there, the first real meaningful game to T.J. Warren's career, too. Adding Victor Oladio will be more comfortable. Malcolm Brogdon, a very smart, high-IQ player. If Miles Turner turns on a little bit, this bench unit as well. I love Justin Holliday and his fit with that Pacers team. What's your expectations for them heading into the playoffs where – I think if Warren continues this and Old Diva kind of ramps it back up a little bit, Tony, this could be a really fun team and a hard out for others around the East. I definitely agree with you. When you said Justin Holiday's name, I immediately thought of how good of a fit he would actually be with the Suns. But anyway, irrelevant. Uh, yeah, they, if, if Warren can keep this up, right, part of me, you know, this is clearly a hot streak. TJ Warren is not going to average 40 points per game, right? That That's just not going to happen. But part of me wonders if, if sort of like the environment of it feeling like an open gym more because there's no fans and, it's just basketball. He can really focus on what he does. And his work during quarantine or his uh, the NBA hiatus really helped him kick it up a level. Part of me does wonder if he can sustain at least a very high elevated level of play compared to what he had uh, during the season up before the bubble. And if he can, there's, they're going to be super hard to be in the playoffs, right? When possessions slow down, you just need a guy who can get you a bucket in the playoffs when the defenses are tightened up. And Warren, I mean, no, Ben Simmons was on him a ton when they played the Sixers and Ben Simmons is an insanely good defender. He couldn't even contain Warren. I mean, obviously he was unconscious that night, but if he can, can control that harness, that skill and translate it into a postseason setting, the Pacers will be a really tough out. And like you said, if that's paired with Debo getting to the level I just described, I mean, all of a sudden they have a great one, two punch. They've got Brogdon in his ideal role as a third option. They've got some good playoff lineups they can throw out. They just kind of need Turner to make shots and their three-point shooters on the bench to make shots, and they'll be really tough to beat if that all clicks. Tony, I'm glad you brought up Justin Holiday from the Suns perspective because, honestly, I've talked about him on the show. I've talked about him on Twitter before. I think maybe one-year, two-year deal on $7, 8000000 million value. I think he makes so much sense with the Suns to make a mention, Tony. I think he, he would be a really fun fit if they want to help improve this bench this year. But we're going to move on to talk about the Phoenix Suns, and we're going to talk more about previewing Thursday's game between the Pacers and the Suns. Real quickly, I want to remind you guys about our sponsor today's show, which is my bookie. I've been waiting for this day since March. Sports are back, and now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind, my bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped into one. I love it, you love it, and that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams with the start of Major League Baseball and the NBA bubble in full swing. There's never been a better time to start playing. 
With my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to check out my bookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors always look towards the future, and in this case, that means basketball, hockey, and football are on the table. My bookie is already accepting bets on all those favorites, and there's no better better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting than right now. Join today, and my bookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss in a free $10 MLB future wager. All you have to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-A-D-O-N-N-B-A when signing up. And remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. We'll be back in just a second to talk about the Phoenix Suns and previewing Thursday's game in just a second. All righty. We are back for segment two of our crossover. Evan Sutter, Locked On Suns, joined by Tony East of Locked On Pacers. Tony, you have the floor here now. Arguably one of the yes. biggest stories of the bubble so far outside of the Pacers. This Suns team really is not going down without a fight. They know they have to go 8-0 to maybe sneak into this play and turn it. Dunn Booker hits an improbable shot over Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on Tuesday. What's been your impressions of the Suns team so far? I'll give you the floor here to ask me some questions too. Evan, I like doing these crossovers when you read the ad for me. That was a terrific <laughs> work right there. Yeah, the Suns have been really impressive to me. I actually talked them. We do a weekly show, Unlocked on Pacers, where we preview the upcoming week for the Pacers. I talked up the Suns because they played really well in their scrimmages too. So I thought, okay, this you know, the Suns seem to have figured something out. Can this carry into games? And then also, you know, you look at the Suns' uh, ratings, you know, offensive rating, defensive rating there sort of uh, per-possession metrics, their record was not indicative of how good they were, right? They had some clutch blunders. They were really closer to like a 500 team than their record would indicate. And now in the bubble, it's just kind of all clicking. But yeah, I mean, my first question, Devin Booker, that was an insane shot, right? Is this the best he's ever played in his career? Because he just seems to be on another level right now. He's had some of these really incredible games, incredible stretches. I know last year he had a three-game stretch where he had 48 straight points and three straight. I know all of those were in loss. I believe one of them was just a win. It was the Grizzlies, Jazz, and the Wizards games. He had 48, then he had 58. Jimmer Fredette stopped from getting 60 points. It's incredible to say Jimmer Fredette was on the Suns last year, but that's where they were <laughs> at that point. Wow. But you see the kind of player that Devin Booker is, a scorer, a lot better as a playmaker too, but at least they are actual games that Booker is in that actually matter at this point, like T.J. Warren throughout his career at the Phoenix Suns. They didn't really have the opportunity to show in this type of win-now playoff environment what he can do. And I think the NBA world's finally kind of waking up Devin Booker at this point because he's been doing this the last three years in Phoenix, averaging 25-plus points per game, ever improving as a playmaker, even better now defense. I think it's the best defense Devin Booker's played throughout his career in these last three games, really kind of stepping up when it's needed to. He actually had a few possessions against Paul George yesterday, Tony, where he did really well on him and really is showing that he's kind of rounding the form as kind of that superstar type player the Suns have expected so far are still only 23 years old, but I think the most important games of Booker's career have been the last three. And he's shown 30 and a half points per games over 60 true shooting percentage over four and a half assists per game too. I think Booker's really starting to just put the NBA world on notice. And this Suns team, I think looking ahead to the future, Tony is going to be one that's going to make a big leap next year. Just thanks to Booker and him ever improving all around. Yeah. As Booker has improved as a passer too. I think that's where for me, he's really clicked as like a bona fide for sure superstar obviously he was always really really talented and good but now that he can play make for others too he's just so dangerous and so hard to stop I worry what the Pacers are going to be able to do I actually think they're going to put TJ Warren on him which is going to be really interesting both matchup wise and story wise so I'm looking forward to that Uh, but something else we have to talk about because this is a Pacers Suns crossover is Ricky Rubio because they were like they were two seconds away from Ricky Rubio being on the Pacers uh, this season a lot of stuff changed. Literally, if Miritich does not go to Europe, Ricky Rubio is probably on the Pacers this year. There's a crazy 
snowball effect that happened this summer. Gina Menzel of The Athletic uh, Phoenix wrote a great story about that. I don't know how many of your listeners have read it. It was fantastic. Anywho, uh, Rubio kind of gets a little bit of a bad, bad rep here in Indy just because people really didn't want him. And then when he didn't come here, you know, basically everything he does is like, oh, thank God Ricky Rubio's on the Pacers. You don't think he deserves the low rep. He, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge Ricky Rubio guy. He's a fine player. Um, but what do you think of Ricky Rubio? How's he been for the Suns and how much has he helped them win games? He's been so vital, not only on the court, Tony, but off the court. He's kind of that quiet leader of this locker room. They desperately missed throughout Devin Booker's rookie contract. There was really no veteran leadership on this team until Rubio arrived in year five of Booker's career. And even though the points have kind of gone down, he's kind of lost a step defensively. He's averaging 13.3 points, 8.8 assists, the best mark of his career since his last one in Minnesota in 2016. Kind of going back to that running gun, high-paced role, feeding guys like Booker, Aiton, Mikhail Bridges, Kelly Oubre, and helping them out and really taking a backseat offensively where I think Rubio's at his best. Kind of think it was in too much of a, a high-usage role in Utah, being kind of Mitchell's uh, second-hand man with Ingles being low-usage, Rudy Gobert, of course, being a, just a guy around the rim a little bit. But you see this year, Rubio, thanks to the coaching staff, uh, Darko, the assistant coach, as well as Monty Williams, have put in a lot of work with Rubio's shot. He's averaging – he has a 36-plus – percent three-point shooter this year 36.4 percent he's been amazing in the bubble too so far 60 percent from three six of ten from the field wow. from deep so far he was very clutch yesterday in that Clippers game I think he had three threes one right over Kawhi as well where he seems just very confident right now I think that four-month break was so vital to Rubio kind of rejuvenating his body because we saw at the end of the year before the season went on hiatus that he was kind of just breaking down a little bit the usual kind of thing happens with Rubio if he plays too much just nicks and bruises here and there kind of slowed his play down but Rubio, I think, is such the, such underrated player. He is the X factor of the Suns team because when he's going, when he's at full speed, this Suns offense is so fun to watch. They are seventh in offensive rating so far in the bubble. They're I think they're at one fifteen point four offensive rating, which is right behind the Pacers. I believe the Pacers I think are at one eighteen something like that. But you see Rubio when he's at full control of this offense. This this offense is so fun to watch, and you see just how valuable he is on a possession by possession basis. And I know, like you mentioned. Probably too much of a bad rap from the Pacers' point of view. I would have been curious to see how Rubio would have fit in Indiana here. But I really love what Rubio's done in Phoenix. They probably overpaid him a little too much. He's $17 million this year. I think it's with the 17.5 and 17.7 the next two years after that. But for the veteran leadership, for the playmaking ability the Suns have missed the last couple of years, and being able to be an improved shooter too who can play off the ball a little bit next to Devin Booker, I think it's been a home run signing so far from the Suns' point of view. So I did something mean. Uh on our Monday show when we were looking ahead at the week, I kind of dunked all over the Suns bench. Um, and, you know, Darius Arch, fine little player. Uh, I like his shooting that hasn't really materialized this year. Is a better center than power forward, I think the Suns have discovered this year. He's played pretty well in the bubble, though. But the guy who has just totally made that irrelevant is Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne, journeyman out of the league before this bubble experience. Suns scoop him up. And all of a sudden, he's like, amazing. I was watching campaign against the Clippers, and he was good. Where did this come from? Why is Cameron Payne good all of a sudden? Tony, your guess is as good as mine. I have no <laughs> idea because we know that Cam Payne used to be under Monty Williams in Oklahoma City, and that's why Monty kind of vouched for him, the James Jones, the son of the GM, to bring him on board this bubble experience because that backup point guard spot has been a turnstile all year for the Suns team. Whenever Rubio sits, whenever Booker sits, this team just kind of plummets a little bit in the backcourt. But campaign, I mean, kudos to him. He's played 20 minutes per game so far, shooting 50% from the field, 50% from three, 10.3 points per game, as well as two assists to less than a turnover a game. He really has been stable with the ball, and he's shown really way more plenty capability than I saw throughout his career in Oklahoma City and Chicago. He played this past year in the G League with the Dallas, Dallas Legends, which kind of just shows you a little bit 
where he's gone. I mean, he was kind of on death's door of his NBA career. So you kind of see that with the way he plays that he probably knows this is his last chance. He has a $2 million team option for next year, but kind of surprisingly, shockingly enough, Tony, I would never thought they'd do this in the bubble, but I think campaign is on this Suns team next year. He's kind of showing wow. that he's better than Javon Carter. He's better than Ty Jerome. Their first round hitting my swing the missed on there. Jerome's been bad. Yeah, he's been really, really bad. Ty Jerome has been bad. Yeah, he's completely out of the Suns rotation too, which is not a good look for Ty. But you go and see Jerome, Carter, Elio Koba's out of the rotation too. Campaign's kind of taking that back of point guard spot by storm here. And it kind of just shows you if Campaign can do this, I wonder if the Suns go in the draft or in free agency or trade and get sort of a backup point guard in the role of Campaign, where I think if Campaign can do this, a lot of other people can. But you see Campaign being able to do this on $2 million for 2020, 2021. I think it's an easy decision right now for the Suns. He's better than all the other options in their roster. It's crazy enough to say to me, but I think Campaign has earned his spot on the Suns roster next year. Look at that. I look at him betting on himself, too, taking that team option. That, that's going to work out for him. So I think those three guys, Booker, Rubio, and Payne that we've singled out, uh, have been, to me, when I've watched the Suns, I have not caught all the Suns games. I did watch the Clippers game. Anyway, have been, okay, steady ball handling, great score. This is why they've been able to, part of, or at least a lot of the reason they've been able to stay in games. But another guy who has been way better, and some of this was scrimmages, but some of this is games, too, than I remember him being in the regular season is Mikael Bridges. Uh, Mikael Bridges is like dribbling now and stuff like that, which I've never seen him do before this game. So wh- where's this? Where's the improvement from him coming from? I feel like a lot of the Suns players, I'm like, oh, they just got way better over the last four months. I love Mikael so much, Tony. He is the guy I pound the table for ever since the draft in 2018. I, I think it was a great trade they made trading that future first round pick, which has been bounced around. I think it was actually the Paul George trade with Oklahoma City to the Clippers where that now lands in Oklahoma City, that Miami 2021 pick that they have. They used originally in the Goran Dragic trade the Suns received from the Heat, went through McHale and the Paul George, Tobias Harris. It's gone a lot of places here. But you see McHale improving. He's been an all-NBA type defender throughout his career, which is crazy to say from day one. His insane wingspan, he's six foot seven with a 7'2 wingspan. We saw throughout the Clippers game, too. He shut down Kawhi. He shut down Paul George. Those guys combined were two of ten when guarded by Mikhail Bridges on Tuesday, which shows you just the type of player that Mikhail is defensively. I think next year, if the Suns team does improve, he's going to be on an all-NBA type list because he is wow. already one of the best wing defenders. You go and watch Definitely him. agree on the defense. Yeah. he's All-NBA. Wow. Wow. I really do believe that, Tony. I, he's a stud. Yeah, if you, he's going to be on T.J. Warren tomorrow, I imagine, too. So that's going to be a really fun matchup to see Mikhail against T.J. Warren. And if Mikhail puts him in jail, that's going to say a lot about the type of player that Mikhail is defensively. But the way he is offensively, Tony, kind of sort of flipping that switch to be aggressive, having that green light with Kelly Oubre being out. I think he plays better with Oubre out, which it really might say stuff about Kelly Oubre because he goes into a bigger high-usage role when he doesn't play. It just goes to show you the type of potential Mikhail has. If he can become like a 15-point-per-game scorer and be an all-NBA type defender, he's going to quickly become one of the more valuable 3-and-D wings in the NBA in short order, Tony. He turns 24 years old later this month, so he's definitely about to hit the prime of his career here. He's also improved his three-point shooting, 35% on the year, but it was really horrible for the last year and a half. He had a hitch in his shot, but the Suns coaching staff did wonders with him, like Ricky Rubio, where he's been plus 40% for the last three months of the NBA season. And if, he, if he's able to go back to Villanova, Mikhail Bridges, Tony, I think he's such a pivotal piece to the Suns' future. We saw yesterday Devin Booker's not had that shot at the end without Mikhail stealing the ball from Abika Zubac off the inbound. So he's just such a valuable glue player to this team. And I think for the next 10-plus years, Mikhail is a Suns starting small forward, and he's going to be locked into maybe being one of the more underrated players on, in the NBA because if he does become more aggressive offensively and he maintains his defense, he's going to be a player many in NBA Twitter start to talk about more often. 
Wow. He is really good. He's a stud defender. All NBA, that would surprise me. I think he's really good. Definitely all de- – he might be all defense level now, honestly. Uh, but, yeah, all NBA, I mean, he'd have to be a, quite the score that I did not see coming. But he certainly could do it. He's been incredible uh, so far for the Suns. And I do agree. I think every matchup involving TJ Warren is going to be interesting. So I bet Warren's on Booker and Bridges is on Warren. I could be wrong about that, but we'll see. But I think that means we should probably start talking about this game specifically, don't you? Yeah, let's dive into that. And let's go ahead and give your thoughts. What's like your three keys from this Pacers point of view? Because I think one of them is going to be TJ Warren scoring. But what else do you think is going to have to happen where it's two Titans kind of going against each other in the bubble here, two of the hottest teams in the NBA on offense and defense. Surprising, the Suns have done really well at their starting unit. The Pacers as well are always disciplined defensively. What are kind of your three keys from the Pacers perspective? Well, like as good as a, you know, Ben Simmons, like I talked about, is a good defender, uh, but T.J. Warren picked on him. Moving that through other games, there's always been a matchup the Pacers have been ex- able to exploit in some way, right? T.J. McConnell could blow by any guard the Magic put in front of him, or Victor Oladipo or Brogdon or whoever, or Warren, or somebody has always had a matchup they could get by, except for in the Sixers game, but Warren made one, right? So for me, one of the things is, for the Pacers starters, what is the matchup that they're going to be able to exploit to be able to get easy buckets and keep stuff moving? Because Turner, when he's picking and popping and letting the guy who has that matchup advantage move in space, reversing the ball, their offense has looked really good. I'm imagining it's whoever Cameron Johnson guards. I have no idea who Cam Johnson's going to guard in this game because there's pretty interesting like size-on-size matchups, two through four in this game. So I can see a lot of variation happening there. I'm imagining uh, we'll see Cam Johnson on – whatever holiday brother starts, but I don't actually know. That's, that's tough. He could end up being on Oladipo. So whoever he ends up guarding is, uh, is what I'm thinking is something I'm going to watch for, for the Pacers to get an advantage because they need one little alleyway that they can pick on a little bit to just get the ball moving and, and make the defense move every possession. Yeah. And that's a good point to bring up there. Just th- this Pacers team has so many high IQ players on you. Like you mentioned, TJ McConnell thinks he'd be a very much an X factor here because he could be one that kind of ends this campaign campaign. So to say, because you see the type of player McConnell is on both ends of the floor. I think he might cause problems for the second unit of this Suns roster. But I think from the Suns' point of view, Tony, I think the shooting luck has to continue because they have six of their nine players in their rotation so far shooting plus 37% from three in the Orlando bubble. Hopefully that maintains. But when you see those types of numbers, it's probably not sustainable. But you hope that continues at least through tomorrow's game where Rubio 60%, Aiden is 50%. Three of six from three, starting to expand his range. Like I mentioned, campaign is 50%. Devin Booker is 45% on nine of 20 shooting. Cam Johnson, wow. 37.5%, six of 16. And then Dario's 37.5%, three of eight. So you have to hope all these shots continue to fall from deep for the, the Suns team because without that run against the Mavericks, they were hitting all those threes. A lot of it thanks to campaign in that third quarter. I don't think they win that game. Same goes for the Clippers game yesterday. Shoot plus 40% from three overall. I think that's going to have to continue for them. And then also DeAndre, who we haven't hit on just yet in this show, Tony, but I think he has to exploit that matchup with Miles Turner tomorrow. I know Miles Turner is a great defender, but I think Aiden, this is one of those matchups where he's more physically dominant than Miles Turner. He's a, a brute down there. He's seven foot tall, 250 plus pounds. Post him up, try to get him going a little bit, maybe get Miles Turner and foul trail because Aiden has been inconsistent in the bubble so far. He's expanded his range, of course, and that's great to see long term, but he was very inconsistent against the Clippers yesterday. He had 18 points and 12 rebounds, but I think he definitely had a lot of missed points left on the board for them. So if he can have a dominant type of eight performance, like we saw against the Wizards in their opening bubble game, I think it was 24 points and 12 boards for eight in that game. That's going to change everything for the Suns team in this matchup, because if they can rely on DeAndre to be a 20 and 10 guy in tomorrow's matchup, 
that's going to help open things up for guys like Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio and Mikhail Burgess and others on the Suns team. Because when Aiden is confident, they are very hard to stop offensively. And then also, I think another key for this game, like we talked about before, Tony, is Mikhail locking down TJ Warren and putting him in his jail, so to say. Because if Mikhail could do it to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, like we saw yesterday, I think he could do it to TJ Warren. I know TJ is the hottest scorer in the NBA right now, but I really like Mikhail against TJ Warren. His length is going to be very bothersome to, to Warren, in my opinion. Seven foot two wingspan, very aggressive, very high IQ player on that end. That's going to be, I think, my match to watch is TJ Warren versus Mikhail. And then Devin Booker, you can always rely on at this point, especially in these types of matchups, to give you 25 to 30 points. I think he's going to do his own there. But players like Mikhail Bridges and, and DeAndre Ann are going to be very pivotal in this matchup for the Suns. Aiden's an interesting one regarding his matchup with Turner because I think if Aiden even had like one. He's good in the. He's really skilled in the post. He's got good post moves. If he had like one like bully post move, I think he would destroy Turner. But he does a lot of like fading or hooky post moves. If you know what I mean, like finessey. I, I I don't know what the perfect word is for this. He doesn't draw a lot of free throws, right? Like that's Aiden's biggest flaw right now as a player. He's a beast. I'm not trying to be little DeAndre Aiden. He's just not good at, at drawing the fouls and getting to the foul line. And I think Turner can do okay on him because of that. And Turner shooting Ivis is going to make Aiden move a ton. When Aiden himself's on defense, I think that's probably a wash. Although, again, if, if you're right that Aiden can make Turner get in foul trouble early or make him defend on the block, then, yeah, the Pacers might be in trouble because for all of Turner's skills on defense, he is at his worst when he's guarding someone with the ball around the basket. And, yeah, if Mikhail shuts down Warren, yeah, they have to find the, the, the bucket somewhere else. And I totally think Mikhail can shut down Warren. He's been that good. I just looked. Yeah, 16 for 36 he held PG and Kawhi to. That's insane. Yeah, Mikhail, I think that matchup's going to be so fun to watch tomorrow with two of the hottest scorers in the bubble, Booker and Warren, going against each other here. And I'm looking ahead to the Pacers are favored, according to DraftKings. But what do you think, Tony, if we want to get predictions here, who's going to be the team last standing in the undefeated bubble? Oh, are these the last? Oh, the Raptors, too, right? Oh, right. Are, yep, yep. right. We need the Raptors to lose before this game so it can be <laughs> the official battle for undefeated. But. I didn't think that would be interesting. Uh, I, man, this one's tough for me because if the, if the Suns bench keeps rolling the way it has been, it's going to be really tough for the Pacers to get an advantage in any individual lineup on lineup. Uh, just because, you know, the, I would normally be like, okay, the Suns, you know, don't really have def- like bench wings. So McConnell can probe and get shots for McDermott and Holiday and the Pacers will be fine. But the Suns bench has been really good. And like you said, has been creating good threes and hitting them. So, if they can keep doing that, it's going to be hard for the Pacers to get an advantage. And I might have picked the, the Suns in this one, but I just – I think something you said earlier that, that sticks with me is the, sh- the ridiculous three-point shooting. If, if that even wears off to, like, league average three-point shooting, I'm just not sure the Suns have enough firepower. Sands, Booker, Ayton, and I think the Pacers can get the win. But, you know, if T.J. Warren can't get any buckets anywhere, the Suns are going to have a really good shot. Maybe this is a little biased in my end, Tony, but I'm going to go with the Suns. I just want to see this miracle run keep going because the more chaos we have in the bubble. <laughs> the, the Spurs better. just lost, man. You're, oh, you're, they did. Okay, they that's, did. that's great news for the Suns then because it's breaking completely right for them so far. The Grizzlies lost today, now the Spurs. So they really do have a chance they beat the Pacers tomorrow to move into, I believe, one or maybe one or half a game behind the nine seed. So all of a sudden the Suns are really in the wow. this. And that goes to show you that coming in six games out, the Grizzlies are kind of tanking now. Jaren Triple J is out for the rest of the bubble with a meniscus tear. I'm just going to go with chaos here, Tony. I'm going to go with the Suns winning. I think Booker has a big game. I think Mikhail at least stymies Warren a little bit. Warren will give you at least 20 points, but maybe not 30 or 40 we've seen so far in the bubble. I'm really curious, though, who's going to guard Old Depot because if Victor gives you that kind of classic VO game, that, that's where I start to worry a little bit about the Suns in this game. Yeah. Who's going to be on him? 
maybe it's Booker, maybe it is a player like Cam Johnson on Old Depot. That's going to be really curious to see who they put on because if Old Depot just kind of flashes that sort of brilliance he's had throughout his career, that's going to put the Suns in a really big predicament here. I'm going to go with a very close win. I think it'll be close too. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be I mean, a Suns win. Just the Suns clear. can't avoid close games, right? They've been really close in all three. Oh, I guess they kind of smoked the Wizards, but it's the Wizards. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And I think – Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, just because the Suns overall themselves so far, compared to other teams in the bubble, they know they have to go 8-0 and here. The Pacers, maybe they know they have a playoff spot secure at this point, but the Suns are really right. playing like their lives are on the line here. They have to go undefeated over these games in the bubble to have a shot at making that playing tournament. So I think urgency is going to play a factor here. So I'll say the Suns win very close, but I think it's going to be – I know the Suns have had great games against Dallas so far in the Clippers, but I think this matchup, you have Oladipo versus Booker. You have McHale versus TJ Warren. You have Rubio against Brogdon, Turner against Aiden. This is actually a very fun stylistic matchup on tap tomorrow. It is. It's going to be super fun, and I think both of us will have it covered on our Friday shows. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah, you guys can go follow Locked on Pacers and Tony on Twitter. Go subscribe to his show as well. If you On the Pacers side of things, you can go follow – Locked on PHX Suns on Twitter. We're going to be providing you guys analysis as well. So, Tony, appreciate the time as we went kind of all in, deep dive into the Pacers versus Suns on Thursday. Appreciate the time, man. I had a good time. I'm excited to watch two undefeated teams square off.